Hi everyone and welcome to the show. For those that have listened to our first few episodes, firstly, thank you. You'll know that we've been recording our monthly midweeker speaker. However, for this episode, we're going to share the keynote speaker from our recent business breakfast held in September 2023, and that was Michael Coots Trotter. But as always, let's hear quickly from our CEO. Hi, Ben Gathercole, MensLink CEO. MensLink has been supporting young men in Canberra region for over 20 years through our free counselling, volunteer mentoring and education programs. In that time, we've helped thousands of young guys get through tough times or lonely times with the least amount of pain or harm to themselves or to those around them. We help young guys reach their full potential and become the great adult men that we want to be because we believe everything is possible. If you're a young guy who's looking for some support or you know someone who needs some support or you're a school, head to menslink.org.au to find out more and we hope to see you at Midweeker soon. Remember, if you need help after hours, get in contact with Lifeline 131114 or visit lifeline.org.au. Michael Cooch Trotter was our keynote speaker at the 2023 Menslink Business Breakfast. Earlier in 2023, Michael was confirmed as the Secretary of New South Wales Treasury to the new Chris Minns New South Wales Government. Michael's past has been written and spoken about extensively. Arriving from England as a young guy, he lost his father to cancer at an early age, and then he fell into the trap of drugs and dealing drugs, which ended up leading to a stint in jail and rehab. His self-determination and the support around him led to his famed redemption and a path back into professional life with the New South Wales government. Michael's journey is one about resilience, strength, courage, and being given a second chance. Here's Michael. So I suppose in a nutshell, uh, my story is at 11, I was uh, enrolled in uh, a posh school in Sydney. I'd just come out from the United Kingdom with my mum and my dad, and things looked pretty good. Uh, by the age of 19, I was in remand at Long Bay, charged with conspiracy to import heroin and experiencing pretty pretty awful withdrawals from heroin. And then 30 years later, I'm the head of the Department of Communities and Justice <laughs> responsible for the New South Wales prison system, only in Australia. Before I, before I get to the perpendicular pronoun, there's something I forgot to do. Firstly, thank you all so much for coming out for Men's Link, for giving it support with, with your money, with your time, with your care. Particular congratulations to the mentors and also particular congratulations to the young men in the room who are doing something that, in my experience as a young man, is actually very hard to do, which is to ask for some help and support. It takes... It takes courage, um, it takes hope, and I just congratulate you for doing it. And what I heard at the start was that 80% of the young men who get involved in Men's Link um, come from single-parent families, largely mums. And if they're mums in the room, I I just congratulate you. And I know from my own life the absolute misery I put my mother through. So if there's anything in my story of value to anybody, I hope it's this. If you love someone who is having a really hard time, if you love a young man in the depths of addiction, if you love a young man who's locked up in jail, there is hope. Uh, Things can change, and, and they do. 
So I'm 11 years old. I get to Australia. Things are looking pretty good. I didn't know, but my dad had cancer. And within three months, he was, he was dead. And my mother fell into a terrible depression, as she would. She loved him very, very deeply. She's in another country. She's trying to support me. She's trying to, she's worrying about me. It is very, very tough for her. And I, as a parent now, I completely understand a lot of that in a way that I couldn't as an 11-year-old. But as an 11-year-old, she wasn't much support for me because she was so grief-struck. And I think, in retrospect, I fell into a depression myself. And I desperately wanted to fit in in this posh school. I had an English accent like Tony Blair. And this was Australia in 19, you know, 1976, so I was as popular as anthrax. And... And it's often the case when you, you want to fit in, you're desperate to fit in, you start behaving in ways that mean you don't fit in. Um, and, you know, all behaviour is communication, they say, of, of children. And my behaviour was I, I desperately wanted to feel less lonely. I des- desperately wanted people to understand the pain and confusion I felt. And I behaved in ways that made it very, very hard for people to do the very things I desperately wanted and needed them to do. Uh, I was, <laughs> I was holy maintenance from the get-go. By the age of twelve, I was mowing lawns to make money to binge drink, and there's nothing really extraordinary about losing a parent and moving moving countries. That happens to a whole lot of people. What, what we can never know is how the effects in our lives impact on us. Some people are unbelievably resilient for all sorts of reasons I can't quite understand. I, I really wasn't at that point, and I needed drugs and alcohol to manage my relationship with the world. I found, that, I found the world a pretty hard place to be in. And, you know, from the age of 12, really through to the age of 16, I would take any and all drugs whenever I could could whenever I could afford it, whenever I could get away with it. 16, I got into rowing and I had a, I had a sort of six months, nine months there where I was obsessed with that one thing and things were good for a while. The moment I left school and the kind of discipline was removed and I had to work out my own schedule in the day and, and make my way in the world, I ended up in the inner city of Sydney in the, in the early 1980s, just awash with heroin. And um, within weeks, I was using heroin. And it's sort of hard to describe for people who don't need drugs and alcohol to mediate their experience of the world. But the first time I, I tried heroin was just a, was a revelation. It was like everything, I, everything that made me feel unsettled, uh, unhappy, discomforted, just, just got washed away. And, and I think while I wasn't physically addicted, I was mentally obsessed with, with getting and using heroin. Uh, there's, a, there's a Danish philosopher called Soren Kierkegaard um, who says that life has to be lived forwards but can only be understood backwards. And that's all I've read of Soren Kierkegaard. I don't want to give you the impression that I got a book of Danish philosophy in my back pocket. I don't. Life has to be lived forwards, but can only be understood backwards. And I could, no one could understand, people who love me could not understand what was happening to me at that stage. But looking backwards, I was actually extraordinarily lucky. I was 
injecting drugs, sharing needles in Darlinghurst with a whole lot of gay men in, in the early, early 1980s, and I didn't get HIV. I was robbed twice at gunpoint. Um, I overdosed, friends overdosed. I went to hospital. I had a psychotic episode. Um, it was pretty miserable. Um, now, I've always thought of myself that addiction is an explanation, but it's not an excuse. Even, even within the compulsion of addiction, you, you have choices to make. And I made a choice to get involved in supplying drugs. Many people who use drugs do. But I got a choice. I made a choice to get involved in, in a s serious attempt to import and supply heroin, half a kilo of heroin. And I shout out to the AFP team here. <laughs> good work. Venners now, they're extremely good at their job. Uh, so, look, I, you know, I could go on about the miseries of, of using, but, but I ended up uh, at Redfern Post Office, as it then was, going to pick up a parcel of heroin, and instead I got picked up by a joint Commonwealth State Drug Task Force and um, taken to uh, a building in Darlinghurst that people in the room are probably familiar with. And from there uh, into Long Bay uh, on remand. And um, I was, you know, sort of um, had dyed, dyed hair. I was terrifyingly skinny. I didn't sleep. I was hallucinating in my withdrawals. And it's just very, very lucky that I got through remand safely. Not quite sure how I did. And one day, someone from the Salvation Army came walking through Remand and asked me whether I'd like to get out of Remand. <laughs> and I said, yes, I really would like to get out of Remand. And the offer was come to a Salvation Army rehab. And I went. And it was a very, very good decision I made. I wasn't committed or didn't fully understand what it would involve, but, but, but I went. I allowed people to help me. Um, and... And they did. And just a shout out to a former federal policeman called Clive Small. Uh, he, the, the police could have opposed my bail and I would have stayed in remand and I suspect I wouldn't be standing here talking to you today. But they didn't. They let me out on bail and I got a chance to go to rehab. I spent a year and a half in rehab. I got clean. Um, I started to repair some of the relationships in my life. I learned to handle how I felt about myself um, without resorting to drugs and alcohol, and I got involved in 12-step fellowships. And uh, Narcotics Anonymous, together with a bunch of other people, effectively saved my life. I don't understand how it works. It's just people getting together in unbelievably cold and drafty rooms on ridiculously uncomfortable chairs, trying to tell the truth about themselves and listen to other people try and tell the truth about themselves, somehow something miraculous for me happens in those rooms that the thing you could not do, get through a day without a drink or a drug, you are able to do. And I, I met people in those rooms who had experienced unbelievable trauma, usually as children, and how they were getting through sober, clean, every day, was simply unbelievable. Our midweekers are proudly supported by Lennox Volkswagen. 
For more than 50 years, the friendly staff at Lennox Volkswagen have been selling and servicing new and used vehicles in Canberra and the surrounding region. Throughout those 50 years, Lennox Volkswagen has been and continues to be a great supporter of the Canberra community, and that includes Men's Link. Whether you need a new SUV, passenger, camper or commercial vehicle, support those who support us. Visit lennockvolkswagen.com.au or head into the showroom at 150 Melrose Drive, Phillip and let them know that Men's Link sent you. To the notion of mentoring, 12-step fellowships have this idea of a sponsor, a mentor. And, and I, had a, I had a mentor, a guy called Jeremy, who was maybe five years older than me, bit like me, bit unlike me, that was a good thing. And what worked in that relationship was he paid attention to me. When he sat down with me and had a cup of coffee, it was like I was the only thing going on for him. I could feel him completely focused on me, absolutely paying attention to me. And usually what I was saying was nonsense, but I had the sense of someone who cared enough to put the energy into listening. And I, I don't know what the mentoring experience is like for others in the room, but for me, just the experience of a man and I needed, I needed male figures in my life since I lost my dad. I, I mean, spent my whole life searching out father figures. Jeremy played that role for me and I, I felt that he... He, he saw me and paid attention to me and cared about me and it, it was profound. Anyway, um, so I, I, got, I got clean um, and then I went back to jail for three years. So I, I pled guilty and um, faced the court and I got a nine and a half year sentence with a four and a half year non-parole period. Back in the day, you got a third third discount if you're a first first offender so i got a third discount um and and i i went back into jail clean i went back into jail with a reasonable sense of myself and i went back into jail knowing i wanted to stay clean and sober and i think a jail then and to some extent now is a sort of 90 uh, percent boredom 10 percent terror and I, 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 won't, I won't run through the 10% of terror, but um, if I had been using, if I had been gambling, if I had been having sex, who knows what would have happened to me. And I watched a, a lot of young blokes, usually because they were using, um, uh, just get destroyed in jail, like just, you know, profoundly, profoundly hurt. The most courageous thing I've ever done was walk across the yard at the Central Industrial Prison in Long Bay every Saturday to go to the Narcotics Anonymous meeting. There'd be a, an announcement over the speaker system, Narcotics Anonymous meeting, Narcotics Anonymous meeting. And I would walk alone across, across the yard and, you know, you kind of get, you'd get jeered for doing it because I think it confronted some of the people there with what they knew about their own lives and their own addiction. And I have found the hardest thing to be courageous about is to stand in the face of other people's opinion. It's, it's actually a lot harder 
than risking yourself physically, particularly, frankly, as a young bloke. Uh, t- you know, it's physical courage. That's 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 a thing, but but having the courage to do something in the face of criticism that you know you need, I found a very difficult thing to do, but thank God I did it. And thank God there were two people who came in every Saturday to that Narcotics Anonymous meeting because they, they kept me clean and sober in jail, and that's the only thing that got me through it. Um, so anyway, I, I spent that period in jail. I had extraordinary support and help. I had people who came in to visit me regularly. And I don't for a moment pretend that my experience of drug use, <clears throat> criminality, going to jail is is a general experience. What I, what I discovered in jail was just how bloody privileged I am. I had a family that stuck with me despite my world-class efforts to alienate them. And I had people who were prepared to take a chance on me. So I had someone who gave me work uh, while I was on bail and then gave me work again um, on works release and then work after prison. And, and again, that, that trust in me, that investment in me, she didn't have to do it. There are a zillion reasons why she, you know, she didn't need to take that choice, but she did. And again, that, that changed my life. Um, so, sorry, I don't want to bore you with, with um, too much extraneous detail, but the, the thing for me from my story that I think is, is extraordinary is actually how many people are prepared to lend a helping hand, how many people are prepared to give you a second chance, and for Australia as a whole, the fact that we are a society and are, are a community that does offer the opportunity of redemption. I, I ended up working for the state treasurer. I got a job with the state treasurer in 1995, a little cranky Catholic called Michael Egan. He didn't want to hire me because I had a hyphenated surname and that was a bit pretty horrible, a bit posh. Didn't want to hire me because I'd been educated by the Jesuits and he'd been educated by the Christian brothers and the Christian brothers taught their boys to hate the Jesuits. Um, There are a whole bunch of reasons he didn't want to hire me, but he did. Um, And uh, my criminal history became public within three months of me getting that job. And it was a big deal. And before the Premier of the day or anyone else could stop him, Michael Egan had uh, got up early on a Sunday, which was a big deal for him and gone out and done a media conference and said, well, look, he was a teenage scumbag. There's no doubt about that, uh, but he's having a go. Uh, he's, he's done some things for himself and he's trying to turn his life around and I'm going to back him. He didn't have to do that. So very, very lucky along the way. But the point of that story was I went, I went with him on an official passport to the United States on a, on a work trip. And I'd revealed my criminal history to the U.S. consulate. I'd gone through the malarkey. I'd got a, I got a visa. It's not an easy thing to do. And there I was, leaving the plane in Los Angeles, and on the air bridge, the 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 um, connection between the plane and the and the airport terminal, were three U.S. marshals, who just grabbed me, and t- took me to a cell. Um, there are cells underneath Los Angeles Airport. <laughs> 
And um, there I was with a whole lot of um, very, very nervous-looking Spanish-speaking people. And the reason they locked me up was that they thought I must be lying because in the US there was no way someone with my criminal history could have a job in government of the perceived seniority of my job. Just did not compute, could not happen. And I thought, well, that is, you know, Australia is a pretty remarkable place that every one of us is more than the worst thing we've ever done. And we, we have a community where I think at a, at a profound level that, that is recognised. People are given a chance uh, and sometimes more than one chance. And, and what, a, what a good thing that is. Thanks so much for your time. And again, thank you for supporting Men's Link as you do. Thanks again to Michael for joining us at the Business Breakfast in 2023. His story is certainly remarkable and there are lots of great lessons in it. If you enjoyed hearing from Michael, then why not come along to our next Midweeker and hear from another inspiring guest. Our Midweekers are a great way to hear inspiring stories from Canberran leaders, learn a bit about Men's Link and our great work and meet old and new friends in a friendly setting. These talks, they can go in many directions, so come prepared to hear anything. Midweekers are open to everyone, men, women, and young people, simply interested in discussing issues affecting young guys in our community. Men's Link Midweekers are a free event, and they're held on the second Wednesday of the month at the Statesman Hotel in Curtin. There's no need to RSVP, just turn up from 6pm with the guest speaker to start from 6.15. And of course, you can grab a feed from the amazing bistro at the Statesman Hotel before or after the event. And of course, Men's Link Midweekers are proudly supported by Lennox Volkswagen. And a reminder that if you're a young guy who's looking for some support or you know someone who is or maybe you're a school, head to menslink.org.au to find out more about how we can help. However, if you need help after hours, please get in contact with Lifeline on 13 11 14 or visit lifeline.org.au. Thanks for listening and we hope to see you in person at a midweeker soon.